Hi, welcome to Harmonic Heart, a music podcast dedicated to showcasing musicians' stories and talent. I'm your host, Chris Millette. Hey everyone, Chris here. We've got a great interview with my friend Tanim. He's a singer-songwriter and guitarist. Just want to give you all a heads up that the first moments of the interview, I experienced some microphone issues, audio issues, so I just ask that you bear with us for those first moments, and for the most part, the rest of the interview is great. So hope you all enjoy the conversation. Hello and welcome to Harmonic Heart, a music blog dedicated to showcasing musicians' stories and talent. I'm Chris Mollette. I'm excited to have my friend Tanim Awal here for a harmonic interview today. Tanim is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist, and I'm excited to sit and talk with him. Um, we're going to talk about um, how he got into music, some of his upbringing, and just his experiences performing live, and also taking vocal lessons and guitar lessons. So, yes, Tanim, come on in. Hey. Yo, hey, man. Cool. So, um, Tanim's going to start us off with a treat. He's going to perform um, for us a song. Can you um, kind of give a little preface and the, maybe the name of the song and um, maybe like what the song is about or like what you like about the song? Sure. Um, so the song is called Last Lullaby. I'll talk a little about it afterwards. Right. But it was inspired by, it's going to be very similar to Edda James' song, um, I'd Rather Go Blind. Mm, so is this an original song? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, sweet, awesome. Right to the end of the 
great thanks man yeah, i enjoyed that man oh sweet wow Woo. yeah that's awesome wow tanin you're our first um harmonic heart performance man <coughs> um thanks man i was really nervous considering my mouth is like dry from fasting today oh goodness well so um yeah man so we met in 2017 at open mic um crescent moon nights um open mic at sankofa cafe and bookstore in dc mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah so that was interesting you know that was cool and then we just know each other since and um been to other open mics together performing yeah yeah i'll tell you I'm, i've always been pretty intimidated and shy when it comes to performances but you were really welcoming that day and you had your whole, your whole crew and they were so supportive i was like oh wow I never met anyone because I'm too nervous. I'm glad, man. I'm glad. Um, yeah, that's something that I really want people to feel. And yeah, I mean, you were, I was, yeah, I felt like you were personable. Like you, um, yeah, just because I thought you had already known my friend Rico. I thought you guys were like, had like gone like back or something. No, that was a credit to him. He was being really friendly. So I was like, oh, thank God. Uh, well, um, I, I knew the organizers tangentially. I don't know how through something back in college, but I was like 10 years ago mm. and I just saw his invite. I'm like, oh, you know, I always see this and I've always ignored them because I didn't live in DC. Mm. Like, I'll just go this time. So was that your first um, Crescent Moon Nights open mic? That was my first, yeah. Oh, okay. Really nice. It was like two years ago now, right? Yeah. Maybe even like, yeah, like two and a half. I'll have to you- tell Rico. Because you're doing your master's program, right? Yeah, I was, yeah, in the master's. Um, and yeah, I had just put out like my album. So I was doing a lot more performing to support that. Um, mm-hmm. So that was part of that run. Yeah. Um, oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I'm going to let Rico know that he was really warm. He's done that with another friend of mine too. So I, th- I don't think he would give himself enough credit for that. So. Thanks, <laughs> All right. Well, sweet, man. Yeah. So I feel like that, that brings us to a nice point. Like how did you get into music um, yeah. Yeah, in general? Um, so for me, I, it was like my way of um, being an escape. Mm. Uh, so growing up, music was actually forbidden in my house. Uh, not because of a religious thing, but because 
my mom grew up classically trained in um, a certain type of singing style in Bangladesh. That's where she's from. And um, I think when I was two or three, her voice, I think, developed notes. So this thing that she spent four hours a day practicing when her prime suddenly gave way and then she kind of felt like um, it wasn't helpful. Hmm. So growing up, I, um, I sang, but then during puberty, I just, the, you know, the vocal cracks, it was just like, I just didn't know how to handle it. Hmm. And um, I just stuck to playing music. So I was a drummer until I was 17. Hmm. Um, but music was kind of like the thing not to do. And then my brother, who never played an instrument, suddenly dropped out of, uh, well, not suddenly, but dropped out of um, college uh, to be a DJ and then became even more taboo. So I just ended up studying and being some type of tryhard and um, joined the Peace Corps, did all sorts of things until I came to DC, uh, DC again in 2016 and realized I had no hobbies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the question is, I think this is a big thing with people in my generation, is that so much of our so much of our purpose growing up is to be about our job to fulfill us. And it doesn't have to, it can just be something altruistic or it can be something not altruistic that by the time they reach, um, they're trying, they get their first job or whatever it is, their first time to just sit and kind of reflect, they realize um, we kind of become used to people where we say, I used to do X, Y, and Z, and then, but now I just work or now I do happy hours. And so for me, um, I suddenly realized that I avoided doing things so, so insecure, like singing was, Number one thing, like um, I play guitar and my dad asked me to sing something. I'd sing and he'd turn on CNN. It's just not a good look. Um, so my mom said, if you like doing this, you should just take lessons. So um, it was between this and boxing when I started. I'm like, right, I only have time and energy for one. So I chose music. Mm. Um, and it's just, yeah. Hmm. Wow. That's interesting. And yeah, so many people relate to that. I think, yeah, I guess if we could clarify... Um, so you said your mom was there, did there come a point where she had trouble singing or something? Yeah, she developed like vocal notes, so it just hurt to sing. Oh, it hurt. Oh, she got notes, like the bumps on your, your throat, yeah. like your vocal cords. So, uh, yeah. so that, yeah, I, I imagine that'd be really I tragic. I remember being, I, I was three, so I had no idea. So it took me years later to realize that a lot of times, a lot of her, um, regrets was singing because it's something she loved but she couldn't do anymore mm. and I think she in her own way didn't want me to do it but now I think as I'm getting older she realizes that I can have it all I can be working and I can be singing so oh. she's more supportive um she's definitely has a critical eye so sometimes it's very stressful to sing with her but recently she has in mind in my voice but for the first two years in DC I would get to a point where I'd write a song um and I tend to write music and she would just be like why can't you just cover other music and I would be like very stressful well I mean well that's incredible so she was classically trained um but yeah I could just imagine you know her maybe disappointment from the nodes and it seems like yeah you feel pressure too from yeah and I think one time she said she regretted not uh, pushing me to sing after I stopped singing because she said I used to have such a nice voice um but she just felt like it was it wasn't a good path and I think she regrets that now because she sees how much effort I put into it Mm -hmm. um I think another fear was which is common is that they were afraid that I would sing and pursue as a professional passion. Um, and not that I am not passionate about music, but I don't want to overcorrect myself. Like I realized for me, music is my way of not becoming a workaholic. I wouldn't want to become a workaholic in music. Mm. Um, it's something that helps me grow and that's very important. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I relate to, to that. Um, 
you know, being in graduate school and still doing music. And I think there was a moment where I realized, oh, I can do both and I don't have to choose one or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think something I realized is that I didn't do things growing up because I was, I said, what's the point? I'm not good at it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that not to put my efforts on, but I realized it's important to be mediocre at everything. Like you might not be the best at something, but you're still growing. Like I'm not a visual person at all. And I realized that I never drew things. I know that if I started drawing things now, at least something in my brain is growing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're constantly studying and you're constantly, I mean, grad school, I was in grad school, there's just so much pressure to perform. If you don't have something on the side, um, you lose a lot of your senses one way or another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I didn't know that you started with drums. That's interesting. I like percussion. Yeah, um, I was a drummer. I had a, I was in a shitty high school band um, when I was 17. Like a garage band or like? Yeah, literally a, a basement band that sometimes went oh. to the garage. I was a drummer, so. And um, it was weird because I didn't understand at the time. So I grew up South Asian, so I didn't really understand the music my mom would sing. Mm. Um, but I also, as a result, living in a multilingual household, didn't necessarily grow up with the classic rock that every other white person likes to talk about or um, R&B or other things that people listen mm. to. My dad listens to Sunday's disco because he um, went to school in Europe and my mom listened to classical bangla. So it wasn't until I was 13 that I really tried on the radio before I really used the internet to try to figure out lyrics on things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think as a result, I would, in my band, they would, I love the Chili Peppers, but that's all we would play. And I'm just like, why can't we write our own music? So I wrote my first song um, on a guitar mm-hmm. when I was 17. I think whether it's through stubbornness um, or something, I ended up enjoying creating songs. Like if I tried to cover something, I would learn some of the songs, but then I would take that idea and try to make something new with it. So I was the asshole that would never follow Lego instructions. I would just make my own shit, <laughs> uh, which has, has its perks, but also has its downsides. Hmm. Yeah, you're making your own way, man. Yeah. Blazing your own trail. Yeah, could you speak um, some more to the music that you heard growing up? I just, when we were, when we were talking before, it sounded interesting about you know, you not being able to understand the the music you were listening to growing up. Um, and that seems to kind of influence your, your process now today. Yeah, it influences me because I just, like when people would like show me classic rock music and they're like, wow, this is like real music. Um, I realized it takes a while to understand it. Like if someone gave someone a very intense Baroque piece um, and they were analyzing it, a layman would not enjoy it as much as someone who grew up with it and understood it. And so here I was, like even open mic nights, um, every, you'll go to places where everyone's sing, playing the same classic rock music and people really get it. Like you have them feel it and I don't feel it. Um, and it took me a long time to like actually enjoy live music and still in many ways because I'm not acclimated. Like I think it's really easy to show the country, right? If you're from the urban areas because it's not relatable. Um, and it's not a story that country is easy to sing. It's very difficult to sing, but being acclimated is very important. And I think being South Asian in America where I didn't, I didn't know Led Zeppelin um, wasn't a person until I was like 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to get myself to like appreciate it, I had to like develop new ways to appreciate songs because I didn't grow up with it. Mm. Yeah, so in terms of your, your musical taste now, how do you think that music I guess I'm curious if you try to recreate elements of that music in what you do today, um, or do you more so try to take on mostly rock elements? 
or do you feel like you've just absorbed everything and it just comes out as you? I think, so there's a few things. Um, one is like environment, right? So I'll be the first to say that because we kind of live in a, a space that's like for like a certain race, right? Like we're, we're constantly dealing with pop or dichotomy. Like it's either, um, it's either like African-American influence and everything's African-American influence, but more catered to that versus like listening to more rock, which is a different style. Um, I, there are some things I really enjoy, but I think recently, um, last October, I listened to like an Indian artist between rock music. And there's nothing, there's nothing Indian about his music other than the fact that he happens to be Indian and he writes it. And his music videos have a track of South Asian people. And I think that whole element of it clicked on me because it started, started relatable. Um, and the song, it, the artist is pretty Khan, and the song is Cold Mess. So that was on Obama's playlist, which was cool because a lot of my non-brown friends went. But for me, that kind of, that was the first real cover I really enjoyed doing because it was, because even though it was the same Western music that I grew up with, it was someone that had my voice. So it's like the equivalent of um, when people ask me if I've seen the big sick, right? Like it's, or Hassan Minaj, where like suddenly my face is on something, even though it's not the same race, same anything, I'm Bangladeshi origin from Jersey, that guy's from Delhi, from India. But to see that was interesting because I think a lot of it is that Oftentimes when I write a song, I kind of picture how I look like playing it. And that is like this weird, like, I think because I'm so depersonalized being minority, that's very important for me to see how I can relate. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there are certain elements I really like, like I like listening to math rock because it's so different. Um, but I don't know if I've been even incorporated. I love learning blues because it just helps me kinesthetically learn something different on my guitar. And I feel like guitar and drums are great because it's so much of his finger work. So I can kind of like sip right through it. Um, and singing is a little different, it's a different um, beast, but it, when it comes to like something relatable, sometimes I feel kind of left out, even though I listen to the same music because I realize I'm not necessarily involved. I know it's selfish to say, but it matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, growing up, I would look at this music blog, it was called La Blaga Tech, and they had a bunch of like indie artists, so that's how I learned a lot of my indie music, and there was one in particular, there were the thermals, and then there was like a black girl in the thermals and I was like really riding for her like yeah like we're in this um genre but I guess I mean even but then even with that you know black people started rock as a genre in general and they get I guess filtered down or changed over time and things but yeah I mean like um have you listened to Twin Shadows? Twin Shadows no I haven't listened to them. No he's I recommend it because he's so art Artistic, but he like creates like almost like a have you seen Mad Max? No, mm -mm, the movie. Oh, so he does like so these things are typically like white spaces like he mm -hmm. will add his own elements to and add like people of color and he's very artistic his music videos are very intense and um, I can appreciate that because like a lot there's a lot of perspective outside the mainstream thing where you're looking at things differently mm -hmm. and it's very difficult when people say they want to write social justice music um, I because then it just becomes can't but there's a, it's not actually social justice, but it's a different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like the last song I wrote, um, the hook from my Rather Go Blind um, from Etta James um, was like it hooked onto me, but the song itself and like 
well, it was two things. One, I was learning on scale. So I wanted to, the way I learned, so I'll create a song about it. Um, but two, I was like, it was basically about the feeling that when you realize you're on a date and the date supposedly goes well, and then you realize that you were someone's one night stand and you didn't. And so the idea of pleading in your head, right? Um, I mean, I think it's a DC thing because we're in a city um, where you'll go on dates and probably online dating. So you don't really know where it goes because no one's going to be honest about it. It's very difficult to tell someone, I want to just be with you for a night because I'm bored. Um, there's a lot of shame. If there are people like that, I applaud them. Um, but it doesn't always work out that way, male or female. And then definitely I made instance with in my past where several times I realized, oh, this is the one really like this person. And you realize that they were just, you were the one that stand. Um, and then how do you plead to someone that you sound so lame? <laughs> and like the idea of last lullaby. So um, blending all that was interesting because I was learning something aesthetically. I had something that was like connecting to me, but at the same time, the subject matter was very personal because um, at the time, the persons that I was writing about, um, some of them were Muslim and it's really weird. So I play that song in a Muslim space. Oftentimes, um, no will make people uncomfortable because our culture is so outwardly not open about these things. Um, and they happen, they really do. And when I wrote that song, it was in space because I it was revolving around Muslim dating. And I don't necessarily date just Muslims, but it just happened to be that. And so it was very personal and it was very shameful. And I think that shame, and maybe I'm an emotional masochist because I'm always afraid of singing and all this stuff is like, important for me because it's my way of being strong mm, mm. interesting yeah like pushing through through that those feelings of shame and fear yeah and i think probably because the subject matter is difficult because my path into music is difficult because there's no real path to relate to right mm. um you can say that the the guitarist and sound garden was south asian but it's like one-off things um you say jay sean is indian british but a lot of people don't even realize that because he kind of whitewashed himself when he made the mainstream um and it's not the idea that i need to be unapologetically brown because i mean you're already going to see that and no one wants to see it shoved down your throat but, but it's just like that's what i am it's part of my identity, identity um, whether i like it or not yeah there's um i'm curious well, even just off of what you just said do you feel part of what you're doing is broadening your culture and what's expected like as a form of activism um or do you feel more so that you're just striving to tell your own story and be authentic to yourself or both um i've definitely written songs that are that are activist like um and that's even, i guess even like in a sense of you know like the last lullaby song like to um, in a like a song where you're speaking on a topic that's kind of counter to your culture, do you would you see that as like a form of broadening? Yeah, I would say that it's a form of um. The problem is that you can follow the rules, but eventually, if something goes outside the rules, right, you have no one to protect you. Mm. So in this case, right, like you can be pure and do whatever a good Muslim or American is supposed to do, but um if you try to just reach out of it, you'll kind of get ostracized for it. Um, and so I think I wrote it without thinking about it until like, like a lot of these things are subconscious. And for me, that was important because there's also a declaration of myself too. Like I'm not being honest with myself. And it's very important 
musically for me, to be honest with myself. Um, and so my music is a way for me to subconsciously pull out things that aren't just things that are happening to me, but things I'm actively doing myself. Mm. Um, um, like I wrote a song called Autumn, which was about, uh, which was about someone I knew who had dated Sky for three years and realized that he was cheating on her with someone the whole time or part of it. And nobody even knew that person existed. And so at the end of the day, um, she felt like, and these are, and it's not just, but at the end of the day, like someone's just saying, oh, you, well, you had fun, didn't you? And then that feels like what DC is sometimes. People are just wasting their time traumatizing each other until they said, how what? Uh, um, yeah. So for me, that's a critique on myself too, because um, my rules are not special. So if people ahead of me are doing that, then so I will I unless I change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was curious, what are some of the other themes that you write about in your songs? Um, let's see. So recently, it's some of the songs I wrote, um, one was I wrote a song about calming someone's anxiety, like grounding them. Um, in terms of like coming to terms with anxiety? Yeah, like, um, so like, I guess, you know, like, I'm like, we're not going to sing it too much. Yeah, oh, sweet. But I had noticed that this person was like anxious. So I was like, well, what are some things I can do? So it's like in key of C. Don't mess around, baby, with thoughts. Stuck to your mind If time Travels too Misunderstanding Then touch your toes to mine I know you try hard To say don't worry When you give You're all to be kind You think you have a bad end with all of your tears But baby You're making me cry You're my heart That's not there um, But the lyrics are about the idea that if um, Sometimes when you have an anxiety attack and those, you kind of think way too advanced. Like, oh, if this doesn't happen, what's going to happen now? Everything's going to be over. So just the idea of just grounding her um, and the idea of making her not feel as worse when she's like anxious and like mm. 
especially if they're performing so much. So that was interesting because that was the song that wasn't the opposite of last fall by where I'm not complaining about something, but trying to be um, caring, which is a lot harder. Um, I think nurture goes away when you try to sacrifice it for independence. Um, mm, mm, mm. Mm, okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that was lovely in terms of, yeah, discomforting a friend through, through music. Mm. For sure. Yeah, that there's um, a Jack Johnson song that kind of has a, um, it's finger picking and it's, it always calms me down um, mm. when I'm feeling really anxious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, hmm. Could you speak to some of, a bit more of how you take from other like art pieces and then create something new from that? Um, yeah, so let's see. So with the first song, Last Lullaby, um, there's a few things. So like, obviously the I'd Rather Go Blind has the first uh, major and then the second minor. Uh, I don't know if I'm using proper terms, but in this case it'll be C to D. But then the... I got that from, um, I guess I got the idea from Jimi Hendrix, um, Wind Cries Mary, which is. After all the chats and and boxes, and the clouds have gone out in bed. So, um, not the same songs, but I like that feeling of the... So I wanted to combine that to the... Um, so not exactly the same, but just the idea was right. uh, something I thought would be interesting. Hmm. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah, like similar rhythmically and um, kind of going up higher frequencies higher pitches mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. um and then like yeah um there's more but that's um one thing where i'll like i'll listen to something and just be like oh this is i want to play it play around with this and see what oh. i can get out of that oh, i see yeah that's a tangible example mm-hmm. oh man that's cool that you were in a high school band i've noticed you also have some friends here you jam with too um have you noticed any differences between jamming back then and jamming today? Oh, geez, here back then. It's so difficult here. I would love if people just said they wanted to play with me, but everyone's, I think because music becomes more and more personal when you're older. Mm. Uh, so people either become self-conscious of it, like they feel like they're not ready yet, or they're just lost in their own world. Um, but no, but that also includes me, right? It's not just um, other people. It's me. Like, I think many reasons why I play, um, I practice so much is because I never feel like I'm good enough to play with the people that I admire. So I just keep on practicing. I don't know. Until my guitar teacher says, you just try to find anyone. Um, because I think, and this goes back to outcome, my, my fear is that I'm not good enough. So as a result, I'm not trying to reach out to people. Um, and then I think I focus too much on, so it's like, 
I'll give you the most Asian example. It's like in high school, I should say Asian, but like stereotypically, in high school, you're worried about getting to one school. So let's say it's like, um, let's say it's like UMD, um, and you really want to get into UMD, and that's all you care about, and you take the test, and you're so focused on UMD, you don't realize that learning to study for that test, the SATs, will let you get into other schools as well. And so you get so tied up into that one school, and you just, it's stressful, right? Um, like, uh, I think I applied to four schools for grad school, and I was bummed because I didn't get to two of them, but it wasn't as bad as like when I practiced, when I for undergrad, because when I didn't get to school was my choice, I felt so much shame. And I feel like that's with music too, um, where you focus so much on meeting these not so easy to obtain because they're so specific objectives, right? Like if someone says, I just want to be a good singer, well, what does that mean, right? Like it's better like, hey, I just want to learn how to sing on tune. That's one thing. Or, hey, I just want to have the experience of singing my scales twice or thrice a week because I know that will improve me. And now I'm realizing that with collaboration, I don't have that muscle yet to build like the habit where like, hey, I, I feel comfortable reaching out to people with mic fights and making the time. And I also know how to filter out people who I think aren't going to make time because you can have people who say they're interested, but if they're not showing up on time, especially if like spaces cost money, um, if you're constantly having to convince them to play with you, up to what point is that worth it? Um, yeah, so I guess I, I'm very intimidated. I would love if anybody out there wants to play music with me, um, wants to even just, I don't know, sneeze a tune or something in, the, in like a park or something, I'd be down just because I don't have that habit. Yeah, no. Yeah, I relate to that. Yeah, man, we can jam too. We can jam once the quarantine's over. That'd be fun. Yeah. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, no, I, and I, also, I also feel that way about songwriting too. I feel like a lot of people who are way more technically proficient than me, like by far, and maybe maybe this is also the classical music trap because you meet a lot of people who are classical music heads. I mean, like violin and whatnot, and they don't write their own music because they've already created such advanced music from masters that, but the guitar was not designed for that. Uh, the guitar was designed for common people, right? You just need someone to learn. You can No one can learn guitar in a day, but everyone can learn chords in a month. You only need to know a few chords to write one shitty song, but that is your stepping stone. Like right. my first song, um, the first song I ever wrote, mind you, I never knew I had this Washburn Electric with it. The, the action was so high that it took me four years to just bar a chord. Um, if I barred it well here. And then I just decided, well, I know, I know, I know one chord and a D key. Oh, what if I just take it? I was like, hey, what does this sound like? I wrote and it wasn't and it still slaps if I still remember the lyrics and like never sing that high again in my life um and that's my first shitty song and I'm glad that that was my first song because it's just a thought that you're creating everyone's written shitty eighth grade middle school poetry about the first crush they ever had about how their parents don't understand them they probably still don't understand them 
but somehow we just got beaten out of the fact that we can't write shitty poetry music and i get it like restarting guitar after years of just having a guitar rather than playing it um, was very hard but just learning to develop a habit i think is the most helpful thing for me personally because ultimately i'm a collection of habits i don't have that long-term vision that can complete without small stepping stones mm-hmm. yeah your your habits and how do your vocal and guitar lessons tie into those habits oh so much so i started off with vocal um lessons um my teacher was sammy ha he's in baltimore mm-hmm. incredible teacher because i realized very quickly that if he had me do covers i just wasn't having it um so he was able to intuitively help me figure out how to develop my scales, develop my depth, learn to sing from my diaphragm, um, and just have, keep on having me keep on going to the point where I felt like I could project, right? Like, um, and you can kind of physically tell a difference because I would sing a song. Um, I, I call it the cable test. So I would sing a song um, in like a regular key. So... It's long way down from heaven. So that's the first song you ever heard me sing. Right, yeah. And then suddenly I can do it two steps higher because I did enough scales, so. It's long way down from heaven. And then there are certain things that I couldn't do with that song, like um, same high. So I was like, so there's a break. There's like, it's on my motion, babe. Uh. It's all in my motion, babe. All in my sweet devotion. All in my motion, babe. All in my, all in my sweet motion, baby. Sweet motion, baby. And I could not hit that note for the life of me three years ago. So, So. So I didn't see him for a while and then I realized like crap all my friends are good at guitar I want to learn to jam with them so then I had my uh, guitar teacher uh, at Seven Drum City Beth Cannon who was just so helpful because like again I think a good teacher is someone who can figure out your learning style and kind of not push you but at the same time and another thing that was great about Seven Drum City and Beth in particular um, is that it wasn't just simply like Sammy taught me how to well, at least taught me the very basics of singing, right? I can't say he taught me everything yet because it's only been a year. Um, but Beth, I was able to ask questions about guitar pedals, right? Or like stage presence. So one of the tricks I've done was, because um, I noticed when I was playing live sets, I couldn't always hear myself. I felt like I was out, out of pitch. So she recommended saying putting one earplug in. Mm-hmm. And so now if I perform live, it's easier to keep t- a tune and I don't blow my voice out because I kept on blowing my voice out singing loud on the microphone so 
it was just the little nuances that I learned from her. Um, then, like, Seven Drum City has, like, this recital, so, like, oh. wearing these same clothes, I uh, formed, like, a, a cover I really liked. Um, and just having that space was amazing, because then I can just, like, try to seduce people to come to my, come to, like, practice a meme. Like, hey, I'm so cool, look at this space. Mm-hmm. Um, but just learning guitar, um, the two things I can control, right? I can't control um, suddenly being good, but I can control learning the basics of guitar. I can learn, I can control the singing part. Um, and I give myself credit for knowing that I want to seek help, right? Like if you have mental health issues, the hardest thing is just picking up the phone and calling someone. Mm-hmm. And on a much, much lower ish- scale, if you feel really insecure about your voice and singing, just seeking out help, whether it's going to a choir like you did or whether it's um, finding a teacher. Like I was willing to uh, put my money where my mouth was and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was also curious to hear about you kind of well you started on acoustic and then kind of adding on electric too oh yeah um i've always had electric but i remember someone i really looked up to introduced me um to someone and said oh this is tanim he does acoustic and i don't know why that just like horrified me so much um it horrified me a lot because i didn't want to be known as that because look every person plays acoustic and everyone's entitled to their thing but like um, I was missing out on these things. And yeah, I could have specialized and done really cool. Well, I don't know if I could have done it, but I could have just thought, okay, I'm just going to stick to acoustic. But there's definitely a sonic value you get from like playing electric. Like it's so sensitive. It's intimidating. I don't know how you feel about playing electric, but for me, electric is very intimidating, like the best way possible. Um, I think Dave Grohl kind of said it best where when he was a drummer for Foo Fighters, it was like in the background, he was able to feel, really feel the band. But when you're up front and center playing lead guitar singing, you're in front of everybody. Um, and nothing, and at least with an acoustic, you can kind of hide behind the ambiance. You can be like. But if you're playing electric, you there's no room to fuck up um, unless you can really hide it well. But then that means you're kind of talented. Um, but then you can kind of like make fun songs. Um, like that song was something that, the first song was an example of like a song that I wrote on electric because it's just easier to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be something just a lot, a lot fun. Um, like, so. I don't think it'll sound good without fun. Um, but just like something that can be like just something that's a different set setting, whether it's punk or whether it's something like that. Um, I think it's just, it's a lot, it's a lot different. Um, and even like, just the sound is different. Then there's pedals, right? And pedals will suck your money, but then also make you think of different things. Like anyone that's tried a wall pedal for a first time would be like, wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that pun, but it's literally the reaction because you're just changing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's scary. Like trying to do an open mic night with the acoustic guitar is incredibly difficult unless you have like a good open mic night organizer like um at soft house or um mm, you tell me about that yeah. boundary some otherwise people are just aren't prepared for it like i remember i went to one open mic night which i really respect and really like and they have the sound system but then i gave them my guitar and i'm like oh i see even an amp we plugged into the pa system i sounded so dry i sounded so terrible mm-hmm. um and then the last open mic night i did just bringing bring an amp because I was like, I wasn't going to take my chances bringing a guitar. Um, and also not everybody in an open mic night wants to hear electric. 
because the electric sounds good in the band. But for me, that was like my way of honing a skill that I wouldn't normally. Um, because yeah, acoustic will sound better in open mic night, but electric, I'm learning something different. Um, and right. I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, even that makes sense with your your basement band and you were you guys were doing a lot of red hot chili peppers and those those rock songs yeah i don't think we qualify as being good enough to be able to say we covered properly um but yeah as a drummer it was interesting to see how much more courage i had because i can just be in the background Mm. um and when you're young you don't know that any better right so i now feel it for all those guitars that i played with yeah no wonder they're always nervous when we played learn to fly by food fighters in front of this whole high school Yeah, not yeah. I like hearing about yeah, just the differences between acoustic and electric. Because of course, I mean, if you play guitar, you play guitar. Um, I, but there there are differences. Um, yeah, and I don't think I actually don't agree with that because I feel like I feel like every guitar. So let's on a microphone. You remember your first shitty acoustic? But you have a you have a Taylor you have a Taylor right now, right? Uh, Fender. Yeah. Yeah, Fender. So the difference. I had a washburn that's actually so high that it would be frustrating to play it. Mm. As soon as I learned I can play easier guitars, it changed things for me, right? Mm. But on an electric on an electric scale, like you're a different like when you imagine yourself on stage playing electric versus when you're playing like rock wouldn't be rock if um Jimmy Page played with a acoustic um mm-hmm. right. If he played if he played with like a Gibson Hummingbird versus a Gibson uh, Les Paul or a Fender Telecaster. Um, I think there's only one, um, I think there's only one video of Jimi Hendrix playing on acoustic. I think it was 12 string at that. It's a different sound, just like, uh-huh. yeah, just like if you're putting in a different beat or different types of drum, it's, it makes a difference. Um, and the only way I can say is kinesthetically, just like how you're able to make that sound uh-huh. and how that sound sounds will change the way you think about songs. Yeah, I know like with acoustic, I do, you know, a lot of open chords and bar chords but of course with acoustic it's pretty much the one sound um but then even when i think about and see elect people that play electric the the scales they play and the chords they're able to do and like the the finger like the chord formulations fingerings i, I don't know i mean maybe i'm not giving myself enough credit but it seems like it'd be harder to do that on an acoustic um, it's it's harder on acoustic and also think about it, how many acoustic people say I play lead versus rhythm. Right, right. They usually say I I play guitar and then instrumental or I sing with guitar. Mm-hmm. But immediately when you're playing electric, you distinguish that very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so electric becomes like, um, where acoustic guitar becomes a generalist and electric becomes like a very specific instrument in, in an electric orchestra. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it change, right? Because suddenly you can have your electric um, be it a, a lead versus your electric being a rhythm. Um, so you have the bass to like, so what was interesting was um, one of the few times I collaborated with a drummer um, playing the first song I played, it was so cool to think about my song in the concept of how that rhythm would change what my lead would say. Because for this last three years, everything has just been me singing, me playing guitar, me trying to get better at guitar so I can play lead stuff while singing, but thinking, oh wait, I can take a step back. Uh, and like my favorite guitarist, um, uh, from Kavet, she talks about because she for a long time did all this math rock thing on herself. Mm. But when she had her band, she suddenly realized she can relax in the guitar part and let the bass and drums kind of fill out that. And mm. that's very different when you have an acoustic because oftentimes you're a one man army. 
Uh, and, that, and so the only difference is maybe occasionally you'll just switch your acoustic for ukulele to be a little lighter. Um, and that's a huge generalization, but that's what I feel like. Because um, right. how many people do you say, hey, we're a guitar duo and I'm going to do lead, I'm going to do rhythm while singing Jason Rounds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I consider myself a, well, yeah, I mean, more of a, like a rhythm guitarist and um, also I try to incorporate melodies into my guitar playing and I guess finger picking is like the easier is like the easier way to do that versus like playing scales on acoustic. Mm. Um, but yeah, because because you're acoustic, you're developing harmony at the same time. It's like um, you're trying to do what you're doing on piano. You're playing harmony and melody at the same time, and your voice isn't always going to carry the melody on that. It's going to be other layers. Uh, you're essentially trying to do a whole band in two instruments: your, your mouth and your guitar. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, we covered a lot, a lot of ground here. Yeah. Um, let's see. Hmm. <laughs> okay. Is there anything you want to share with our group? We're going to have, um, you have another song prepared for us to, to play, to play as well. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, I'm worried. Am I singing too much? I know I put some, I brought my guitar out and played some things. Let me know for pieces. No. no, I mean, it was cool. We had the like the full song in the beginning, in the middle were more just kind of snippets like examples. Um, yeah. And where do you want people to to like follow you if you if they want to keep up with you? Um, one word: brown guys reading. Uh, the reasoning behind it is when I used to be a firefighter, nobody believed me. I mean, I was a volunteer firefighter, but so was most all uh, firefighters in this country. No one believed me at all. It was like this weird thing, like. It's, tiny round guy well that was no one said out loud some did um and then but if i told people i like reading because i do like, okay that makes sense <laughs> i realized that racially to make myself attractive i can only say i read because if i tried to do so-called american masculine things no one would believe me anyway that's funny that's it's, funny. it's like me saying i'm a professional basketball player get the fuck out of here um so um. That's that's interesting. That's cool. I forgot that you were yeah volunteer firefighter. Right. So I could really, remember. Yeah. Like carrying um, this big old hose and stuff. Okay. That's right, a very man. heavy hose, man. Let me tell you, lifting a person is very heavy. I don't know how I passed it. I was confused. Well, I didn't say I was a good one, but I was. One. You lifted um, probably because. What's up? You lifted a person. Not by myself. Uh, the last real accident we were in, we definitely had to lift someone out of a truck, and that was difficult but i was proud of myself for not freezing i think that was the most important thing where so like firefighting taught me about process because in the beginning i had such imposter syndrome because all these people knew how to use a chainsaw because their dad grew up with it and here i am being this white collared ninny um who went to grad school right and these people went to trade school and i didn't drink beer and i don't know sports or i did it i didn't know hockey um and i remember like new year's um, there was a call. I didn't know what to do. And someone just gave me the hose while everyone was like resting. So accident. accidents are the hardest ones. So like, I can't be useless. So I just focused on just doing what I could in training. And mm -hmm. I think that mindset helped me because I was already studying humanitarian policy at the time um, that during that accident, I was like, all right, I'm just going to do what I could. And I, so I got up, um, helped, helped, was one of many to lift the actual car off. The truck was very battered. And like, I helped hold the head while everyone else held everything else. And I was like, 
okay, at least that was a process. Um, and I really do care, but think the process is so important when it comes to anything like music. Um, like, if you can't get a song, that's fine. Um, what are the things you can't get out of a song? Is it the chords? Is it the rhythm? Is it the singing? Oftentimes it's the singing. So like, maybe you can sing it two steps slower, or maybe you can just warm up your voice and do scales until you get to that, right? Like the, like the Kappa method, that's why I call it. Um, and I think that's important, and for me too. And I think another thing I didn't think about was just also controlling your mental health. Because so much, so many times you're so frustrated, you don't want to bring a guitar, pick a guitar up, and that sucks. Um, it really does. And I would go for performances. I would go without performing for like two months for my for every performance. I just felt like crap all the time, mm. like I wasn't good, and not realizing one of my friends I credit just she would go to open mic nights every week, and I and following her, and I think that habit made me less scared. I mean, I still nervously peed five times before performance. Yeah. Um, every single time. Guarantee my voice, it was dry, as dry as it is now. Yeah. Um, but at least I'm not as intimidated where before I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't go. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But everyone's different, right? Like, I'm not competitive. I'm jealous, right? But I'm not competitive. I'm very hard on myself. So for me, it's important to build myself up. But other people, Maybe their inner Michael Jordan's coming out and they gotta compete um, rather than last lullaby, the last dance. I don't know, yeah. but it's. I think that finding your learning style, whether it's visual, like Guitar Hero is the worst thing for me because I'm not visual. Rocksmith is the worst thing for me. I can't stare at a screen and do it. It's just not. Um, but if you give me a few chords and give me a scale and tell me to write a song or do something, that would be how I learn that scale. Um, so everyone's different and like. Mm. no one should ever be like well when i was your age i did everything right no one did it right um so i'll segue into that saying that i um oh, it's okay. so because be, my my thing is that my rules are no one's special right so five years ahead of you um if someone's messing up so are you unless you change things and mm. another thing i know is, is guys tend to lionize their dates when they're older like when i was your age nothing bad happened mm -hmm. um and then why can't you just be like me i'm just already smart at your age mm -hmm. and so i write a journal to my feature kids that are unborn i have oh, no plans of anyone falling in love with me that i think about but it keeps me kind of um it helps kind of correct my course mm -hmm. I'm honest, and I mean, I try to be honest. Always gonna lie, one way or another. Sorry, you're breaking up a little there. Oh, yeah. So I heard you say you have um, this journal for your kids that you're you're kind of writing and jotting down tips yeah. for them. Um, to kind of keep myself accountable. So during the quarantine, I wrote two songs. One of them I kind of finished up, and it's kind of a lullaby to my kids, based off the fact that I keep on writing to them and maybe I'm going crazy or maybe I'm thinking, you know, uh, just being reflective. So. That's lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, we've, we've brought up mental health a couple of times um, during the interview. What are some ways that um, you tend to your own mental health? Um, well, I see a therapist. Hands mm, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, that's important. Um, it's so it, it to me is, like how I see my um my teachers, like my singing teacher, mm -hmm. is that oftentimes people go to a therapist and kind of just unload on them and then they wait for a the next session. Well, I don't have that privilege because Kaiser only lets me see them once every five weeks. Mm -hmm. Um 
So, but he'll give me assignments. And I realized if I don't do those assignments, I'm not getting most out of the thing I'm paying for. Mm -hmm. um, and along with insurance and there's copay, uh, music, there's no insurance for music. So I'm paying money for that. So if I don't put myself into a space where I'm actually doing the work, whether it's um, learning the skills or whether it's singing and practicing, then I'm not getting the most out of it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So mental health, I take very seriously because I don't know, everyone is, has something in DC. I mean, they just do, and I'm determined not to, be, it's so easy to, un, it's not easy to unlearn what kind of makes you tick, because sometimes we define ourselves based on our trauma, and to let that go is scary. Like, I think I read this in a book that my therapist recommended me, How to Be Your Own Best Friend, is that people are more likely to be miserable uh, because it's familiar than to be happy, because it's unfamiliar, and that's scary. Right, um, yeah. And for me, music was an act of doing something very scary. Um, and I'm always frightened, but at the same time, I know that it's better than where I was, where I wasn't, where this new layer to my being didn't exist before. Um, and during the quarantine where everyone's anxious all the time, including myself, I'm incredibly grateful that I have a mindset where I can think about, you know, what can I do to change things, right? So like, I'm an avid coffee drinker, so I bought coffee supplies. Um, I haven't seen my uh, vocal teacher since I moved to Baltimore, so I hit him up again in addition to my music lesson. So um, I play video games, but I can recognize that being creative is a different form of therapy for me. Um, or not just, I don't think it's therapy, like the writing's more therapeutic, but being creative is like a different form of productivity for me outside of work. So right. when yeah. I'm, so when I'm stressed out, Maybe I won't do music, but I will schedule time to say, well, this will make me happier if I can do it better. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I'm, I'm so glad I have those tools because if I didn't have those tools, what would I be doing? Um, okay. right? I mean, Pornhub may be free, but that's only going to take so long. Um, okay. so, um, yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone's in the SNL with Pornhub right now, so it's okay to yeah. say. Um, but there's only so much you can do. There's only so much you can stress eat without realizing you're going to get diabetes. Um, there's only so much you can zoom people, um, and be social. I mean, I, I quit Facebook and Instagram for two weeks during the quarantine because I knew that I would just get way too stressed out. And I'm glad I did because it get, let me figure out my habits were. Mm. Man. Well, I mean, that makes me happy to hear. Um, and then that, yeah, I mean, creativity and songwriting, music, you know, all the things you were saying just kind of helps us to, on a deeper level, get to know ourselves and uncover things in our in ourselves and grow on a deeper level, too. Yeah. But there's negatives to it, too. I mean, what if you constantly are reading into yourself all the time, producing, and suddenly you realize that not everyone is? And mm -hmm. then suddenly they want to, and I think famous people in that aren't me always talk about this in the beginning. They talk about something relatable and everyone loves them, and then they start talking about their success. And they sound like douchebags, but really it's because they don't find anything relatable anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm realizing that I don't want to alienate myself from everyone because I'm constantly trying to like fix things. So I definitely am anxious about that sometimes where I'll like create stuff and then suddenly I realize that um, I don't like to hear a normal conversation. I don't want to be just how I don't want to be a workaholic. I don't want to be a creative person that just constantly is self-absorbed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that is because I have imposter syndrome already. So that's a whole bad tricks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think about that as well, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, man. Thank you again for for coming on. It's been sweet. Digging in, learning more, talking more. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, do you want to do? Thanks for letting me on, Ben. Huh? Sure. Um. I'll I'll apologize for my dry voice. Oh no, man. Okay, guys. So we do have a YouTube page. We have a podcast. We're on Instagram and TikTok <laughs> and Twitter as well. So you guys can check us out there. Okay. And we lost to Neem. So thank you again for watching and listening to our episode interviewing Taneem, this harmonic heart interview. Oh, and he's back. Okay, sweet. You're back. All, All right. right. Cool. Yeah, we had lost you there for a second. I'm bad. I'm back. All right, great. Cool. Okay. Um, so what's so this, this song? So this song is um, a lullaby I wrote hmm. to my unborn kids. Oh. God, watch me get hit. No, I don't want to say anything negative. Oh, no. Watch no. me just be in oh. Putin. <laughs> no, that's very sweet. Very sweet. It's okay. Um, I'll adopt. <laughs> oh, and also, it's all my love of books, so notice. castle 
wishes fly high And if you close your eyes We can cross the bridge to Terabithia So I've got this journal Of how much I loved you since I was so my unborn romance I saved this last dance to hold you When you shake So we can see Narnia And castles where the witches fly and if you close your eyes, we can cross the bridge to Terambithia.